Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Lord, every need of encouragement today, we thank you for the assurance of your word, God, that we can bring our sorrow and you will give us joy. God, that we can bring our ashes, oh God, and you will give us oil of joy. In the name of Jesus, we can bring our garments, Lord, of heaviness, and you will give us, Lord, a garment of praise. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, we worship you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you turn to somebody next to you and tell them Jesus wants to inhabit. Come on, not just pass by. He wants to inhabit. He wants to inhabit. Amen. He wants to fill. He wants to occupy. Amen. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of the Gospel of Matthew, first book of the New Testament. Amen. Chapter number four. And I'm only going to read one verse in your standing. But I do want to say as you find your way there that we're glad to have the Smith family back home. They've been vacationing in upstate New York. We're glad to have them back home. Amen. We're glad to have the Velasquez family back. They've been not vacationing. They've been battling sickness. And we're glad that they're well and able to be back with us today. Amen. The Alberti family, I know, has been passing the baton around the house of who is sick as of late. I think everybody's better now. I think Chi-Chi's got a little something he ate, I think. Is that right? But not the same stuff, different stuff. But we're glad they're all feeling a little bit better. Amen. And uh, we're glad to have In fact, why don't you just take a moment, turn to somebody nearby, and if it's somebody you don't recognize, go out of your way to make sure you let them know that we're glad they're here today. Amen. We certainly want all of our guests to feel welcome. There is no Matthew 4.35. My wife just told me that. Let me, it's Mark. That's why, it's Mark. Amen. It's Mark 4.35. That, that was a test and you all passed it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you guys passed the test. Pastor failed today. Amen. Mark 4.35. And the Bible says, the same day when the even was come, Jesus said unto his disciples, let us pass over unto the other side. Amen. Let us pass over unto the other side. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. I want to preach this morning on that thought, the other side. And I would like to utilize today for a, an illustration. Several years ago, uh, there was a book that was written, I, I believe even before my time of being born, this book was written by, uh, it's a, a classic now, uh, utilized in sales and other uh, fields of business. It's a motivational book simply titled Think and Grow Rich. And in that book, the author Napoleon Hill writes a story, uh, supposedly a true story, about a young man actually from the state of Maryland who had gone west in search of gold, went into the mountains, I believe of Colorado there in search for gold. And as he bought himself a small plot and began to dig in, in that mountain, he struck what was a small vein of gold. And he gathered a few gold nuggets out of the mountain and then 
uh, took the, the little bit of riches that he had gathered and went back down so that he could get all of the riches out of the mountain and began to uh, borrow some money and bought some equipment and went back into the mountain ready now to reap the bounty of the riches that were in the mountain. He began to dig there at that same spot that he had left off and much to his dismay and much to his uh, calamity and his sadness, he, uh, he found that that vein of gold had dried up. And so he dug a little bit further and dug a little bit deeper and, and nothing but dirt and rock was there in place of what once he had found gold. And after several days of digging, he gave up in frustration. He took all of his belongings that he had purchased down to the bottom of the mountain to that gold, that mining town that was there, and he sold everything that he had purchased, and, and he took a loss on all of his purchases that he had made, but he sold it. And the man that he sold it went back up to that same spot that he had stopped digging, and the story goes that he dug just three feet deeper than when that man had given up, and there he struck the biggest find of gold in that mountain. Amen. I believe the Holy Ghost wants to tell somebody today, don't give up. Amen. You might be frustrated in your spirit. You may feel like throwing in the towel. You may feel like you've done everything that you can do. Amen. But I want to tell you the Bible says having done all that you can do, the answer is just stand. Amen. Sometimes it's just saying to the enemy, I'm not giving up. Sometimes it's letting the adversary know, I'm not giving up. I'm not leaving the mountain. I'm going to stay here until I get everything that God has for me. Amen. The other side. Wednesday night we look at this same portion of Scripture that we're going to cover tonight. We looked at the deliverance there of the demoniac that had wandered, the Bible tells us, among the tombs. And so I want to revisit that same portion of Scripture this morning. But I want to look, as we look here, the initial call of Jesus' disciples. If we were to trace that back earlier in the Gospels, we find that when Jesus called them, he called them to be Fishers of men. He found Peter and Andrew. The Bible says he goes to these men. They were casting their net into the sea. And the Bible explains the reason they were doing that is because they were fishermen. And Jesus makes the invitation to them. He says, I want to make you fishers of men. He then goes on to James and John who are also there. And he makes the same offer to them to follow him and become fishers of men. These are men who had fishing in their DNA it was their occupation. It wasn't a hobby. It wasn't something they did when they had a long weekend, but it was something that they did to make a living. It was how they made it through life. And so they thought through the perception and the, the, the thought processes of fishermen. And so now they have made the transition to not just being fishermen, but to being fishers of men. And they were taking the same methodology of catching fish and now taking that same methodology and ideology into reaching humanity, reaching lost and hurting people. And so as fishermen would go, uh, amen, that, that when you are a fisherman for occupation, you don't get excited by one fish here or there. Amen. At me as a, um, Brother Roberts would take me out and I was, his guarantee he wasn't going to catch anything. Uh, I, I, I have better luck catching a cold than I have catching fish. I can't catch a fish. I got a pond in my backyard, and we were out there last week, and Riley caught six or seven within a few minutes, and me and Shaq were still over there just trying to get a bite on the line. 
I, I'm not good at catching. But, but in, in my case, if I just get one fish, I'm excited about that. I take a picture. I post it on Instagram. Amen. I post it on Facebook. Amen. I try to put the camera angle just so that it looks like it was actually a good sized fish. Amen. But, but I get excited about But when you're making your living and your, your, your livelihood depends upon the catch that you make, you don't get excited by one fish. You are excited by the multitude. Amen. Your ability to provide matters. And so you get excited by the multitude. Amen. By the proportion of the catch that is in the net when you pull in the net is going to be what determines whether or not you can make it or not. And so you get excited by the multitude. And so as we read here in Mark chapter 4, not Matthew, but Mark chapter 4, Amen. And we find that Jesus is surrounded by the multitudes. And I believe that those fishermen were in their element. I believe they were saying this is where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in the multitude. They were thinking through the lens of fishermen that this is the place that we need to be. We need to be where the multitudes are at. If we're supposed to be fishers of men, then we need to be where multitudes of people are at. And while the ministry of Jesus is impacting the multitude, a host of miracles are being performed. Many teachings, if we read the verses leading up to this, many miracles have taken place. The Bible tells us preceding this, Jesus is teaching. Many teachings are being imparted to the people. But in the midst of Jesus ministering to the multitude, he looks at his disciples and said, let us pass over to the other side. There's something significant about this phrase in the scripture, especially within the gospels, this phrase, the other side. Numerous times this phrase appears within the gospels. And each time that that command or that event appears in your Bible, amen, the other side coincides with great significance. Anytime you see Jesus say, we're going to the other side, something of significance is getting ready to happen. The first point that I would bring to us today is that the other side is the route to resilience. Amen. The other side is a route, if, if I could say it that way, the route to resilience. Amen. Several of times within the Gospels, when we find Jesus call his disciples to the other side, we find that on their way from here to there, they encountered a storm in between this side and that side. In this portion of Scripture, the ensuing verses tell us after Jesus says to his disciples that we're going to the other side, the next verse that comes on tells us that as they were on their way, they encounter a great storm. Amen. If we look at another instance in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus commands his disciples to go to the other side. And right after that, as they are journeying from this side to that side, they encounter a storm. If we read in Mark chapter 8, verse 13, another occasion, following the miracle of seven loaves being multiplied to feed 4,000, Jesus and his disciples get into the ship, and the Bible says they make their way to the other side. But I find this ironic, and I find this indicative of ministry if we're not careful, that the Bible said these same disciples that had just been instrumental in a miracle that would take seven loaves and feed 4,000. The Bible says that now, following that miracle, where they gathered basketfuls of bread that were remaining after the miracle, they come to the other side, and the Bible says they didn't have any bread. They had been so busy breaking bread for everyone else 
that they didn't gather any bread for themselves. And I want to say today to the body of Christ, yes, we are called to ministry. And yes, we are called to help the hurting. And yes, we are called to feed the hungry. But don't forget to put bread in your basket. Don't forget that you need provision for your own walk with God. Amen. Don't get so busy praying for others that you don't spend time in prayer for yourself. They come to the other side, and the Bible says they don't have enough bread. They don't have bread for themselves. And no, this is not a storm of lightning and thunder. It's not a storm of wind and waves, but it is a storm of provision. But I would say whether it was the storm in Mark chapter 4 or the storm in Matthew chapter 14 or the storm in Mark chapter 8, whether it is a storm of wind and waves or a storm of provision, in every storm I find they made it to the other side. Amen. There was a point in their journey to the other side that they thought there was no way that they could make it. But I want to tell you, if Jesus calls you to the other side, you need to know if you stay on the boat, you're going to make it. I'm preaching to somebody in this room today that God has called you to the other side and you're going through a stormy season. But I want to say faint not because if you just stay in the race, you're going to make it to the other side. Amen. They didn't have any bread. They thought that they would faint. But Brother Alberti, I keep on reading and I find they made it. Amen. Have you ever been there in your walk with God that you were going to the other side but you encountered a storm and in the midst of the storm you weren't sure that you were going to make it? Come on, where's Brother Mitchell? He was teaching this morning. God wants to give you a resilience. He wants to give you a confidence that no matter what the weapon is that is formed against me, it will not prosper. Somebody, you need to stand in the middle of your storm and let your enemy know I'm going to make it to the other side. I don't care what the doctor says, you're going to make it. I don't care what your finances look like, you're going to make it. I don't care what your marriage may feel like, you're going to make it. They didn't have the strength within themselves, but they made it. You see, the other side is not the absence of storm, but it is the pathway to resilience. You can't be get stronger if you don't go through anything. Amen, you'll never build strength if you don't meet resistance. Amen, if you want to build some muscle, if you want to build strength, guess what? You, you can't do that without resistance. There's going to have to be something, amen, uh, 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 some, something that pushes back against you. Uh, if you're going to build your strength and the same principle is true in your walk with God. Some of you, you're praying that God would take the storm away. Uh, and God is saying the best blessing I can give you uh, is to put a storm in your path. Uh, because the storm makes you stronger. Uh, the storm builds your faith. Uh, amen. The storm builds your confidence. I wonder if anybody can testify today. I wonder if anybody can testify today of a time where you were going to the other side and you encountered a storm and you didn't know how you were going to make it, but here I am today. Here I am as a testimony. Here I am as a witness. 
And if you're in that place right now, maybe you're in the storm and you're not sure if you're going to make it look around you right now. Amen. Because if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Amen. The storm, the other side is the root of the route. I'm not sure what's the right way to say it. It's the route to resilience. I think that's the right way. The second point that I would bring today from the scripture is the other side is also the pathway to revelation. Because not just did the storm reveal that they were stronger than they thought they were, but the storm also revealed to them that God was greater than they thought he was. From the context of Mark chapter 4 where we lifted the verse of our reading, the disciples are on their way to the other side in the midst of a terrible storm. The Bible tells us they fear for their lives. And we know the story. They run to the back of the ship where Jesus is sleeping. Amen. Jesus steps to the bow of the boat and begins to speak peace. And the wind and the waves, the Bible say, they cease. They obey the voice of Jesus. Now, if it had not been for the storm, and if it had not been for them going to the other side, they would have never known that Jesus had the power over the wind and the waves. Amen. But it was on their way to the other side that one disciple looked at another and said, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the waves obey him? Amen. The other side will give you a greater revelation of what kind of God you serve. That's why those Christians that are just stagnant in their walk with God and they're not going anywhere, they never get a greater revelation of the God they serve. But it's when you make up in your mind, I'm going to the other side, that God will reveal himself. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus commands his disciples to go to the other side. I talked about that one a moment ago. And it is in their passage to the other side, Jesus appears walking on the water. Hallelujah. Jesus shows up in the middle of their storm in their passage to the other side, and Jesus is walking on the water. Again, a very famous portion of Scripture. We know the story. Simon boldly shouts into the storm to the shadowy figure walking on the water, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto you. Jesus responds to Simon and says, simply come. And miraculously, however briefly it might have been, Simon, we can, you can talk about Simon, you can laugh at Simon, but when's the last time you walked on water? I know everybody says, Simon, man, what's wrong with you? You should have kept your eyes on Jesus. Well, you, you just get out in the middle of the bay today and you step out there and see what happens. Amen. It may have been for a brief moment, but Simon walked on water. But the culmination of that miracle on their way to the other side, Jesus walking on the water, Simon getting out of the boat, those were not the high points of the miracle. No, it was the, it was the outcome of increased revelation. Amen. Because the Bible says when Jesus went and got Simon and they got back on the boat, everybody that was on the boat said, we know something now that we didn't know before, that thou art surely the Son of God. Come on, going to the other side will give you a greater revelation of the God that you serve. He's not the son of a carpenter. 
He's not just Mary's baby boy. He is the son of God. Some of you don't know Jesus. Some of you don't really know who he is because you've never gone to the other side, because you've never gone through a storm. You can't know he's a healer until you battle disease. You can't know he's a deliverer until you battled addiction. You can't know he's a way maker until you thought there was no way. Anybody going to the other side today? Anybody been to the other side and learned he is the son of God? I like this one, verse John chapter 1. Follow, this is after Jesus had resurrected. And the Bible tells us that the, the disciples go back out fishing. I believe there was some contemplation. They were contemplating going back to what they used to be. And the Bible tells us they were out on the boat and they had fished all night. And Jesus is standing. They didn't know it was Jesus at that time. But this voice of a man standing on the shore shouts out to them and says, If you'll cast your nets on the other side. If you'll throw your nets on the other side, you're going to find there's some fish there. Verse 6 tells us that when they put their nets on the other side, they caught a multitude of fish. Amen. But let me tell you, the miracle wasn't the multitude of fish. It was what happened when they looked around John verse 12, chapter 21, verse 12. Amen. The disciples, the Bible says, didn't ask who he was because after Jesus told them to put their nets on the other side, they knew who Jesus was. They knew that he was the how do I overcome doubt? How do I overcome uncertainty? You got to go to the other side. You got to go somewhere. You can't stay where you're at. Well, I'm not sure if Jesus really loves me. You got to go to the other side. I'm not really sure if Jesus cares about what I'm going through. You got to go. If you go to the other side, you'll know. If you throw your nets on the other side, you will know. The other side was a pathway to increase revelation. The Holy Ghost is speaking to someone today. It's time to go to the other side. Amen. Some of you have been deadlocked in your comfort zone. Amen. You're just hoping to avoid the storm, and so you stay on the same side you've always been. But you will never know him as the peace speaker until you go to the other side. You will never stand and look at him with awe and wonder. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Those fishermen could have stayed on the, in the boat and ignored Jesus. Amen. They could have relied upon human reasoning. Who in the world does this carpenter's son think he is to tell us about fishing? Amen. Stay in your lane, Jesus. But they didn't do that. What did they do? They obeyed. And when they cast their nets on the other side, they knew that it was the Lord. I want to preach to somebody today that you've been battling with doubt and uncertainty. The answer is it's time to go to the other side. You're not going to win this battle through human reasoning. You're not going to win this battle through intellect. Amen. The only way to win this battle is you've got to go to the other side. 
do something different. Do something. Don't just do what you've always done. Do something different. Well, I always sit here. I always sit in the third seat. My wife's right there, so I'm picking one. I always sit in the third seat on the front row, the orange chair. Well, next week, Valerie, move over here to the gray chair, right here in front, so I can see your beautiful self while I preach the whole time. When I was a kid, I used to throw the ball up and hit it myself. That's what just happened. Do something different. If your worship has gotten into a pattern, if your praise has fallen into a rut and a routine, amen, if you've gotten into so much of a pattern, amen, that your walk with God has become stale and stagnant, it's time to go to the other side, amen, it's time to challenge yourself, it's time to say, I've got to do something different, why sit we here till we die? Come on, now's a good time to give him praise. Now's a good time to say I'm going to the other side. Now's a good time to let the enemy know I'm not going to die on this side. Saul says, David, here's my armor. A giant has never been defeated without wearing some without the opponent that he faces wearing armor. But David said, I'm going to the other side. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something that's never been done before. Amen. The, 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 four, the fortified walls of a city have never been brought down by people walking around in silence for seven days and then shouting on their seventh time around. Amen. But Israel said, we're going to the other side. I'm going to do something different than's ever been done before. I'm not going to be bound by tradition. I'm not going to be bound by simply going through the motion. The woman with the issue of blood said, I've been to every doctor in the region. Twelve years, I've spent everything I've got. Amen. I've tried everything there is to try, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to go to the other side. Amen. If I can just get a hold of the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. You might be one dance away from a miracle. You might be one dance away from a breakthrough. You might be one shot away from walls coming down. Don't just do what you've always done. Do something different. Come on, disciples. We're going to the other side. There's a miracle over there. There's a breakthrough over there. Some of you have been trying the same thing for years and you're getting the same results. Why don't you go to the other side? Amen. You tried the doctors. You tried the drink. You tried the drugs. And they're giving you the same results. I want to say, why don't you try Jesus? Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. The other side is the doorway to the miraculous. Amen. It is the route 
to resilience. It is the pathway to revelation. It is the doorway to the miraculous. There is a reason that Jesus is calling you to the other side. Again, as we look at the times in the Gospels that Jesus gave the command or the invite to go to the other side, we find not only was it a pathway of increased revelation, a route of resilience, but it was a doorway to the miraculous. If they would have stayed on this side, they would have never experienced what was going to come on the other side. Luke, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 14, verse 34. The Bible says, and when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about, listen, and they brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him. Listen, I know it happened a minute ago. We talked about one woman with the issue of blood, but it's amazing what happens when one person gets a breakthrough. It's, a, it's amazing what happened when, when that guy all those years ago, I think it was Prefontaine, uh, broke the, 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 the uh, six-minute mark or the four-minute mark. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all look at me. It, it was, it, where's my runners at? Four, four-minute mile, right? Six minutes pretty good to me, so I thought that'd be good. But one runner, was it Prefontaine? Did I get the name right? Broke the four-minute mile. Nobody had ever done it before. Nobody thought he could do it. One man broke that barrier that everybody thought was unbreakable. And within weeks and months after that, multiple people broke it. Uh, somebody here today, you can break a, a threshold that has held your family down. Uh, amen. You can break a lie of the enemy that said your family will never succeed uh, and your family will never overcome. Listen, if you'll be the one to rise up and say, I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to be the one. Uh, I'm going to break through this thing. Uh, your children will follow your example that one woman with the issue of blood said if I can just touch the hem of his garment I will be made whole now we come to Matthew chapter 14 verse 34 and they bring every sick person in town that they can Un undoubtedly the news has already spread through town there was a woman over there in the other town that she got a hold of the hem of Jesus garment and she was made whole and the Bible says as many of them as touched the hem of his garment they were made perfect whole but that only happened when we went to the other side there's a miracle on the other side amen if you want your miracle you got to do something different if you want your miracle you've got the press we want to stay on our little comfort comfortable side the side we've always been on. How come there's no miracles? How come there's no breakthrough? How come there's no blessing? How come the promises of God aren't coming to pass? Well, the miracles that happened in that verse only happened when they went to the other side. The multitude would have still been diseased if they hadn't gone to the other side. John chapter 1, 21. I read it a minute ago. When they cast their nets to the other side, the Bible said that they caught a great multitude of fish. On this side, not a bite. Little minnows like I catch in my pond that I try to make look like it's a wide-mouthed bass. Nothing. But when they went to the other side, the Bible says that the net was full, a great multitude of fish. But that's not even the real miracle of this story. 
Amen. Because if I read in verse 11, here's what it says. Simon went up and drew the net to land full, full of great fishes. And 153, that's a lot of fish. And the Bible says, and for all there were so many, yet not was not the net broken. Yet was not the net broken. The real miracle was not how many fish they caught. The real miracle is they had the capacity to keep the fish. The first time, this wasn't the first time Jesus said, try again. Back in Luke chapter 5, Jesus said, put down your nets one more time. And back in Luke chapter 5, they did one more time, and they began to pull up the nets, and the Bible says their net break. Amen. But I want to tell you, just because you didn't have capacity the first time, don't give up. It's time to put your nets on the other side. I believe John brings emphasis to this because he wants to let you know God has a miracle of increased capacity for you. Only four of you believe that. I sure hope the rest of you believe that. Because some of us, God gives us blessing, but we don't have the capacity to handle the blessing. Amen. God's given us better jobs, but we weren't mature enough to handle it. God put relationships in our lives, but we weren't in the right place to handle it. And so the net break, and even though it was a blessing from God, the net break in both Luke chapter 5 and in John 21, both were blessings from God. The difference was in the second verse, they had capacity to hold on to what God gave them. There have been times in my life where I didn't have the capacity for the increase God placed in my life. God was giving me greater anointing, Brother Alberti, but I wasn't ready for it. I'm just, I'm being transparent right now. There were times God had given me opportunities, but I wasn't prepared for them. I wasn't spending the time necessary in Bible study and prayer to be ready for the opportunity God was giving me. Amen. But when you decide, I'm going to the other side. Amen. I'm tired of fishing on this side. I'm going to the other side. You know what's going to happen is now you're going to have the capacity. Now when you reach down and pull up those nets, they're not going to break. And the blessing God gives you is going to become favor. Amen. The blessing God gives you is going to become anointing. The blessing God gives you is going to be increased. I wonder if somebody can thank God right now for increased capacity. Living hope, it's time to go to the other side. Living hope, it's time to go to the other side. God, increase our capacity. Increase our capacity to love our neighbors. I think God's trying to speak to this church three times in the last month. Somebody's gotten in this pulpit and talked to us about loving our neighbors. Last Sunday, I think it was Brother Eric that taught about loving our neighbors. A few weeks ago, Herbie talked to us. I think, Trey, I think it was you a few weeks ago that talked to us about loving our neighbors. God is talking to this church. If you will increase your capacity, what good is it going to do us if God brings 50 new people into this church, but we don't have the capacity to love them? If we're so engaged in our own world, if we're so caught up in our own cares of life that we can't love them, can I tell you what's going to happen? We're going to waste the blessing. And God is saying to living hope, if we'll go to the other side, he will increase our capacity. Amen. 
you got to go to the other side. Amen. When you sail through a few storms, when you've come through a few trials, when you get beyond just religious routine, amen, God will increase your capacity. I believe this afternoon that God is calling some people in this building. It's time to go to the other side. You've gotten comfortable on this side. You've gotten used to just doing what you always do on this side. And today, not Jason, not Pastor, the Holy Ghost is saying, come on. Come on, I've got miracles for you on the other side. I've got increased capacity. I've got a greater anointing for you than you could even imagine. But it's waiting on the other side. Amen. If you stay on this side, your nets are going to break. If you stay on this side, you're going to waste the anointing. But if you come with me to the other side. Finally, the other side provides a window into just how much God loves us. Provides a window. How many of you believe today that God loves you? Have you believed today that God loves the drug addict, the alcoholic? The prostitute, the cheating lawyer, or the honest lawyer for that matter. He loves the politician. And the other side provides a glimpse into just how much Jesus loves you. The passage to which Jesus called these disciples in Mark chapter 4 was a journey across the Sea of Galilee, also referred to in Scripture as the Sea of Chinnereth, the Sea of Gennesaret, the Sea of Tiberias, all of those, if you read of those in the Gospels, it's all the same body of water. Truly, though, the Sea of Galilee, or whatever name you'd refer to it by, is more of a lake than it is a sea. It's 13 miles long at its most distant points and 7 miles wide. Not really a sea by our definitions. But the, the point from which Jesus set sail to where he landed, from where he set sail in Mark chapter 4 to where they landed in Mark chapter 5 was likely no more than a four-mile journey. In our culture today, we measure the cost of such a trip in the economy of fuel, right? How much, nowadays that's a pretty expensive ride, I'd imagine. You got to go four miles there and four miles back. Amen, with gas being $8,000 a gallon, it's pretty expensive. Little exaggeration. No doubt Judas, the accountant, would have been freaking out. You know how much money that's going to cost us? We could save that money and give it to the poor. But in biblical times, there was no gas-powered props to drop into the, the sea to propel them to the other side. The cost to them in biblical times was the time that it took. It was the effort that it took. And let us not lose sight of the fact that it was evening when Jesus called his disciples to go to the other side. It was nighttime. Maybe a little illumination from the moon and the stars, but visibility was low. Ancient historian Josephus records that nighttime was the best time to fish. He also recorded that roughly 230 fishing vessels were likely present on that sea or that lake at any given time, especially at night. I don't know how many of you ever been on a boat at night. I know you have, Captain. Captain does it for a living kind of thing. 
I've been out on a boat at night. I'm not a captain, but I was a prayer warrior that night. Amen. Because you can't, I mean, you got, at least the boat I was on had a little light on the front. You could see a few things, but most of what I could see, by the time you saw it, it was too late to make any corrections. I, I really did pray very hard that night. night. Nighttime was a great time to fish, but not a great time to sail. Imagine sailing across that, knowing that out there are 230 other vessels that are fishing. It's a great time to fish because when you fish, you're stationary, you're not moving. But Jesus didn't call them to fish. He called them to sail to the other side. Not only is there that lack of visibility, but other boats on the water that are going to have to be avoided. Passing over to the other side while it was nighttime was inconvenient. It was not the optimal time. Sailing would have been much more convenient. Yes, fishing at night is fine because you're not moving. But sailing, it would have been more convenient to do it in the daytime when there's better visibility visibility, and less boats out on the water. It required constant focus. It required a keen awareness. There was no sleeping on the boat. And Jesus was saying, it's my time. You guys are, you know, all the other times I carry you guys, it's your turn. But their eyes had to be peeled. They had to be watching what was in front of them. They had to have steady hands on the rudder of that boat. They had to have constant eyes out on that water. Amen. All of the inconveniences of sailing at night, having to adjust their course because a boat lurched in front of them. Amen. Nighttime, again, the preferred time to fish, but not the right time to sail. Amen. But, but listen, so after all that night of sailing, their eyes peeled, going through a storm. An unexpected storm. That's one reason they fished at night, because most of the storms came through in the afternoon. But they, they, they sail all night. Their eyes are peeled. They're navigating. Amen. They're, they're looking out on the horizon. They go through a storm. And after all that, the Bible says in, in chapter 5, verse 1 of Mark, that they came to the other side. And then the next 20 verses probably unfold in about a 15-minute window of time. They sail all night to get here. They leave a multitude on that side. Arrive here. The Bible says the moment Jesus gets off the boat, immediately a man possessed with demons comes to him. And the, the conversation, the interaction is very quick, very speedily. And within the matter of probably at the most 30 minutes, Jesus, the Bible says, is back on the boat, sailing back across. The disciples had to be thinking, we went through all of that. We sailed all night long. Amen. We, we dodged all those other boats for a 20-minute encounter. You left the multitude behind. And the Bible says when they got back to the other side, there was a multitude. Why did we come over here? Why did we sail all night long? when there was a multitude over there just for one person. And that's exactly why they did it. It's because Jesus wanted you to know he'll leave behind the multitude to find the one. Why didn't we stay over there with the multitude? We're fishers of men. It makes sense to hang out with the multitude. But you left all of that to sail all night just to reach one man, one man. One man that had made an absolute wreck out of his life. Amen. One man that the Bible tells us that the people that he had grown up were more concerned about the plight of the pigs than they were about the peril of this man. He didn't matter to anybody. He was worthless to his community, but he was worth everything to Jesus. 
I want to tell somebody here right now that you feel like you've got no worth and you've got no value. Jesus left the multitude on that side to come to the other side. He knew you were here on the other side. He knew you were broken. He knew you were unlovable. Jesus said, I will weather the storm to love the unlovable, to deliver the untamable. Some of you wonder, does anybody even care about you? Does anybody even love you? You've made such a mess out of your life. You wonder, does anybody, does anybody even care about me? I know it's Sunday morning and nobody's going to raise, raise their hand and say, that's me. Because we all want to come to church and act like we got it all together. I'm talking to people here today that are broken. That's what the other side is all about. Jesus said, I'm leaving the multitude. I know what's waiting for me on the other side is just one man. It's one man that his village that he was raised in thinks that a herd of pigs are worth more. The Bible says they didn't run Jesus out of town, amen, because he didn't heal that man. No, they, they were upset with Jesus for healing him because it cost them a herd of pigs. And some of you have been hurt and you've been broken and you've been neglected and you've been abandoned. But I want to introduce you to my Jesus. I want to let you know that Jesus said I'm going to leave the multitude behind and I'm coming after one. Amen. I don't need a multitude. I just need one. I'll sail all night long. I'll weather the storm. I'll go through whatever I've got to go through because I'm looking for one. One. Raise your hands with me right now. One, one, one. Pastor, you're preaching to the multitude. No, I'm preaching to one. I'm preaching to one person in this room right now. I'm reaching for one person right now in this building. I'm reaching for somebody that is broken. I'm reaching for somebody that is hurting. I'm reaching for somebody that feels like you have no value. I want you to know Jesus weathered the storm for you. Amen. I want you to know he said, I'll sail through the night. I know there's obstacles in my way. I know I'm leaving behind the multitude. There's so many more miracles I could be doing over there. But I've come for the one. The shepherd leaves the 99 safe in the fold and goes out into the night looking for that one lost sheep. Come on, somebody in the Holy Ghost. I feel God speaking right now. I feel the Holy Ghost reaching for somebody here today. I, I feel the Spirit of God reaching through this crowd, searching for, I'm not here today to impress the multitude. I'm here to reach for one. Come on, is there somebody today that would come? Is there somebody today that would respond? He's reaching for the one. Come on, living hope. This is, this. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.